I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2A Talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. If you want your voice to be heard on the radio or on the podcast, by all means, give us a call, leave a message, or call us when we're broadcasting live, 508-444-2120. And you can like and subscribe on all of our social media channels, our at is Rapid Fire Radio and at Cape Gunworks, wherever you find your social media of choice. Uh, if you're, you know, not really on social media, so to speak, uh, you can still go to YouTube and Rumble, some of the video platforms, uh, which has a lot less interaction, if you will. Maybe maybe not for some people, but um, I, I tend to see more interaction on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram than YouTube per se, but, you know, some people do participate in the chats on YouTube as well. But wherever you find your uh, social media, please follow, like, and subscribe and share Cape Gunworks content and Rapid Fire Radio. So today, um, obviously, the thing that's leading the news cycles the most is the Nashville shooting um, and you know, fortunately, this was an event that had a good response. Um, it was a terrible tragedy. Six people are dead as a result of uh, an obviously very disturbed, mentally ill person or just downright evil. I don't know which. Uh, maybe both. I don't know. Um, but whenever I see a, a shooting at a school, it really, you know, hits hits me in the heart where, you know, I have children that are school age and I think about them being at school and the fact that uh, they're largely defenseless in schools. Uh, they are kill boxes, if you ask me. They are, And I, I want to call on everyone listening to this radio show or this podcast or this live online content and say, let's put an end to the kill box loophole. Um, where we send our children and we say that they can't be protected with firearms, but yet we'll protect our politicians, we'll protect our uh, financial institutions, we'll protect our uh, places of entertainment, we'll protect our sporting events, all with firearms. But we refuse to respect, I mean, to protect our most precious natural resource, our children. And we send them to school and say, hope and hide, run, hide, fight, uh, 
you know, Alice training, you know, we train them in how to interact with active shooters, but yet we refuse to do what will actually change the tide of active mass spree killing evil shooters from being able to carry out such an event. People just want to pound the podium and pound the desk and claim the moral high ground that it's because of the guns. Well, nobody does the same thing in response to a you know guy who drinks and drives. They don't blame the automobile. If somebody drives into a crowd of people at a parade like we saw in Waukesha, Wisconsin, they don't say, oh, the car. We have to ban cars. We have to make it harder for people to own them. And these are high-capacity vehicles. More people can get in there or the, the lorry, the big delivery truck that the guys rented in Brussels, Belgium as a terrorist activity on New Year's Eve. And they drove into that crowd and killed 30 people within seconds. I would argue that's a more efficient tool than a firearm. And nobody goes on national TV, nobody takes to the halls of Congress and says, we need to ban vehicles. Why? Because it doesn't make sense. Everybody, it's an insult to our intellect. People understand that cars are useful. They are a tool that is used for good every day by millions of people. But then when it comes to the firearm, which, by the way, are used by people as a tool for good millions of times a year in America, and much more or many more times than negative outcomes with a firearm. I mean, it's not even in the same category. Uh, You know, we're talking tens of thousands of negative outcomes with a firearm. And even in that 30,000 statistic, I would say that some of those are positive outcomes with a firearm because it's somebody who wants to commit evil is thwarted by a good person with a gun. In the case of police shootings uh, or in the case of defensive firearms use or defensive gun use. So the point is, we don't hold ourselves to the same intellectual standards for any other uh, outcome, negative outcome in society, whether it be a child drowning in a swimming pool. We don't ban swimming pools. We say, all right, you might need some more training. You might need to make some public awareness. Uh, you know, the parents need to be more personally responsible. Government sometimes gets involved and says you need to have uh, – locks on your doors that lead to a pool that's unsupervised or you got to have video or you got to have a, an alarm on the door that swings to the they also make it so the locks are high and and they're out swing doors so kids can't reach it and open it so that they uh, can't go to the pool without some sort of supervision i get all that um but the bottom line is nobody ever says we need to ban backyard pools it doesn't happen and the same goes for cars. You know, we, uh, we see tens of thousands of people die on our roadways every year. And nobody is uh, calling for the, the ban of cars. Uh, there's also something called, um, you know, common sense that I think has really taken a backseat to our culture in this day and age. Uh, we, I watched a news show prior to the start of this show um, where... Uh, Rob Pincus was on uh, a British show and they were talking about 
um, how the the things have changed in America to this corporate, you know, constitutional right to a individual right. Like they they're trying to make the argument that it's changed in the last few years. When nothing could be further from the truth. Originally, it was an individual right. Yes, they acknowledge the right of the people to assemble and form a militia, but they also say an individual right or, or the people's right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And that hasn't changed other than rights being taken away, which government has no authority or jurisdiction to do under the uh, constitutional constitutionally protected amendment the second amendment so uh it used to be much easier to buy a gun it must used to be a lot less uh labor intensive you could do it without a background check you could do it as you checked out of the line at the local hardware store you could order from the sears and roebuck catalog and get it delivered to your house and uh yeah that's that's the way it used to be so to say things are easier now no they're harder than they've ever been but we'll talk more about this on the other side If you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license yet, we do have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies-only classes and couples classes. So make sure you sign up at capegunworks.com. And we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show. The phone number here is 508-444-2120. And we have a poll question up on twitter.com under rapidfireradio. Well, actually, rapidfireradio, all one word. Or if you go to our homepage, rapidfireradio.us, you can also vote in the poll there. So, um... Anyway, the bottom line is, uh, let's, let's get into the poll question. What will we see in the wake of the Nashville shooting? A new push for gun control, no change to the status quo, hardening of schools and armed school personnel or armed school resource officers. You don't need an AR-15. So far, the poll is trending with a push for gun control at 75%. And no change to the status quo at 25%. And sadly, our listeners 
believe that the two things that would actually make a big difference, which would be A, hardening the school as a target, or B, armed school uh, resource officers or armed personnel in schools, um, would certainly make a big deal, a uh, big difference there. And uh, unfortunately, those have 0%. So it's 75 25% more people believe a push for gun control. But all right, we have... Dan on the phone. Go ahead, Dan. You're first up on Rapid Fire. How are you? Hi, Toby. Um, I uh, listen to you uh, a lot on uh, Grace's show. Mm. And um, I have a question about the uh, Firearms uh, Record Bureau. And uh, uh, I put in my original application uh, for an out-of-state LTC back in August 23rd, 2022. And... um, I didn't get my uh, interview uh, until December 28, 2022. And when I went down to Chelsea, they made me wait in that chair for over two hours uh, before I got my interview. And that was December 28th. And now I am 91 days out, and I have not one word from them. I was wondering if you could just shed some light on what the heck they are doing. Yes, they are stalling. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Um, so, Are they just walking the out-of-staters? Is, is that what they're doing? No, I don't think it's just the out-of-staters. I've heard similar horror stories of people who are residents applying for a license. Um, but let me give you a phone number. Have you contacted them to find out the status of it? I did I did maybe about a month ago. I was 60 days out. Okay. You and call, they, told you me, they told me, oh, it's going to... They originally told me it was going to take uh, about six week, about uh, sixty days, and then when I called them, they said ninety days. Huh. Now I'm afraid to call them back because I figured, I figured they might put my <laughs> my application on the bottom of the list. No, I don't think they will. I don't think they're that organized to be able to do that. To be honest with you, I think um, if you call, it's uh, let me give you the number. It's six one seven. Six six zero four seven two two, and you can just say, "Look, I'm calling to find out the status of my license to carry." And the good news for you is they can't get into what typically happens when they say, "Oh, it's been approved," and it's at the local police department. And then you call the local police department, and say, "Hey, you know, I'm checking on the status of my license to carry," and they say, "Oh, well, we're still waiting to hear back from the state." So they do this point fingers at each other, but at least you're dealing with one entity at the Firearms Record Bureau. So uh, they shouldn't have any excuses to why it hasn't come through. Uh, if you're jerked around any longer, I would suggest you contact uh, attorney Keith Langer or Jason Guida, and they'll be able to help you with that process. Okay. Yep. Well, thank, thank you. I listen to you, like I say, I listen to you on Grace, and I really... I enjoy uh, the time you're with her. So, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate being on there, and I appreciate you listening, Dan. Um, so, if you want to be a part of the show, like Dan, give us a call five zero eight four 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 twenty one twenty. That's five zero eight four 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 twenty one twenty. Today's uh, code word, if you will, this week's code word is shotgun. So uh, if you want to use Shotgun on checkout, you'll get a very special discount at rapidfireradio.us or capegunworks.com off your entire order. So for those of you who are following along at home, Shotgun is this week's 
secret squirrel code word to get you your special discount just for the listeners of this show. So don't tell anyone else. Anyway, um, so getting back to what I was saying before the break, uh, you know, meaningful change has to happen uh, or else you are happy with the results because you didn't get your way. That doesn't mean that you're not willing to look at other ways of seeing these mass shootings stop. So uh, the bottom line is there's people out there that just bang the podium every time a mass shooting event happens and says, it's because of the guns, it's because of the guns, when really we could say, hey, it's because crazy guy with gun decided to commit the most heinous act of evil upon innocent children. And if that's the case, what can we do to make it so evil guy with the gun can't commit heinous acts of uh, evil upon our innocent children. I would proffer that you should start with making schools a harder target. And everybody goes, oh, well, we don't want to make them prisons. So you're talking about making schools more aesthetically pleasing than ensuring the safety of our children. Number two, I think that anyone who wants to make a gun-free zone, I think, A, we should eliminate the kill box loophole uh, or the kill zone loophole. Uh, That is a place where psychopathic killers can go have free, unfettered access to defenseless people. Now, I don't truly believe they're truly defenseless, but their defense can't be met in kind. So in other words, if someone's going there with a gun to kill people that are unarmed, they at least don't have an arm, a bearable arm to defend themselves. Can they fight? Absolutely. They can, you know, throw things, they can barricade, they can swarm the killer. And, uh, you know, but that's like a ridiculous defense to somebody with a gun. Um, It might be the right thing in the time. I don't know. Like, I had this conversation with a group I was doing a private training event for. Uh, If somebody pops up next to me with a gun and starts shooting, my initial response might not be to pull out my gun and shoot him back. It might be to grab the gun, grab the arms, and swarm the guy and try to get him to the ground. But at least take the gun out of the fight. Uh, So rather than having two guns in in the fight, all scrambling for the upper hand, if I can direct the the gun to the floor, direct the gun to the safe direction. At least he's not shooting other people and hopefully other people get a clue and come to my aid and my assistance. But the point is, you know, it might not be the proper response to draw my own gun. That's determined by the situation I might find myself in. But the point is, um, we can do better. We can do better for our children. And let me put it this way. For years, I have heard all kinds of fundraising plights for the children, right? We've put playgrounds in, we've put, um, we've put stadiums in, we've put football, you know, we've renovated, we've, we got, you know, gymnasiums, we have, uh, state of the art football fields and we have tracks with special, um, special medium that you can run on that makes it softer on the knees. We have AstroTurf. We have lights at night. We have field boxes. We have uh, the most 
beautiful uh, baseball fields. Some places even have ice rinks. Uh, and all I'm saying is all of this costs a whole lot more than putting in some basic security that would harden the target and make it harder for what we saw in Nashville a few days ago to ever happen again. One thing that could be done immediately is a ballistic film could be put on all the windows and doors of the ground level uh, for, you know, a fairly low per square foot cost. So what we saw a couple days ago with the uh, Nashville killer who just shot her way into the school, she shot the glass right out of the doors and walked through the locked doors because, you know, once she shot it, the glass just implodes. It's tempered glass. It falls into a pile of rubble and she could just walk right through. But if there was some sort of ballistic film on there, even a hurricane film, uh, it would stay intact. It would take time for her to have pounded through that glass or broke it all out of the way so enough to get in. It's not going to keep the glass from being shot. It's not going to keep it from spalding or breaking, but it's going to keep her from being able to get clean and easy entry into the school. That's just one simple thing that could be done. I, ideally, I'd like to see ballistic glass put in um, when the school is being constructed. Uh, there's also ways of tying these schools in uh, electronically with the 911 call center so that they can monitor in real time the camera system and uh, they can communicate to the responding police officers. They they responded very quickly in Nashville. I think it was 14 minutes from initial shots till they were uh, taken down to the shooter was taken down, which is unheard of response, uh, which is very, very fast. But it was time enough for six people to be killed. If you can slow down that person trying to gain access, you're going to save lives. And, um, you know, that would be another great, great way to go. But we'll talk more about this. We'll get to your comments in the chat. Feel free to give us a call at uh, 508-444-2120. And uh, get some training, guys. That's one thing that can really help you. Uh, So if you go over to capegunworks.com, you'll see our new pistol classes. We have pistol 1, 2, 3, and 4. And uh, it's a basic evolution of pistol training from, you know, first shots all the way up to drawing from the holster and under stress. So go to capegunworks.com and check out the calendar for these new classes on Mondays and lady-only versions on Saturdays. And we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. You work too hard to leave shots like these to chance. Now you never have to compromise performance again. Federal Premium Heavy Bismuth hits ducks and upland birds with 9.6 gram per cubic centimeter pellets sourced from Heavy Shot. 22% denser than steel. More energy downrange. Launched by the Flight Control Flex Wad, Heavy Bismuth patterns consistently and is safe in all shotguns. Loaded in the USA by Federal Ammunition. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we have a giveaway each and every week, so you got to go over to rapidfireradio.us and sign up to win. Last week's giveaway was one of our brand new edition of the Cape Gunworks uh, shirts, t-shirts, and uh, 
The winner is Chris C. So make sure you look for an email from us. You can tell us what size you are, and we will get that T-shirt either set aside or sent to you. But Chris, be on the lookout for a, a email. And this week, we're going to give away uh, Larry Correa's book. He's going to be our guest in the second hour um, in defense of the Second Amendment, and it's a great book. I'm really uh, enjoying it. Uh, I really like his take on it, and um, we're going to be talking to him in the second hour, so I thought, let's give away his book this week. So if you want to be in the running to get Larry Correa's book, go over to uh, rapidfireradio.us, scroll down, and sign up for our giveaway, and we will pull the winner on next week's show. So don't forget this week's discount code is SHOTGUN, and uh, we'd love to have you take advantage of that on the web if you want. Um, the third thing I want to talk about is having this killbox loophole come to an end and allowing people who desire to carry a gun to work be able to if they work in a school. Um, so I'm talking about anybody now, school administrator, janitor, secretary, teacher, gym teacher, whatever it is. All right. If you want to carry a gun on the job, you should be able to, just like you could if you were a garbage man or a, a maintenance guy or a uh, you know small business owner or construction worker or delivery guy. Um, it is ridiculous that we allow our government to mandate we be we be disarmed in the face of the most likely uh, place that a spree killer will go, which is a gun-free zone or the kill box loophole or the kill box zone or whatever you want to call it, the kill zone. Uh, and it, it doesn't make sense that we allow this to happen with our most prized possessions. I know I sound like a broken record, but that is the truth of the situation. And for, I think this year, maybe I've had two years now, two and a half years, if you will, of... Uh, one of my children being in a public school, but all three of my kids went to private school for years and years and years, basically their whole childhood for, for this reason, one of the very reasons. Number one, I didn't appreciate the indoctrination of my children that the public school education gives. And number two, I didn't appreciate the lack of actual security um, being dictated to us by people who are going to uh, blame us if some psychopath goes and tries to shoot up the school. So for that reason, I, I took my kids out of the public school, or they actually never went in in the first place. So um, I spent a lot of money on their education, um, and f for the reasons I just outlaid. So I think that is the best way to not participate in that situation is to A, homeschool, or find a good private school. And if a, you find a good private school, get interactive, get involved with um, the the safety and security of that school by being a voice. Uh, you can call the head of school or you can call the dean or you can call uh, the whoever the person in charge is and get a sidebar conversation started with what are you guys actively doing to make sure that this never happens here? Um, and start to have that conversation because it's really important. And they're very sympathetic to where the money is coming from. Uh, so you'll have a much more 
um, open ear, if you will, if you're talking to someone at a private school than somebody at a public school. Now, this brings me to Stephen Ixaros's bill. Uh, he's my local state rep. Uh, he's a former deputy chief of police in Yarmouth, and he um, lost a son in combat. A lot of you know him who are local. He's kind of, uh, you know, very well known with his uh, fundraising efforts for the foundation that he started for his son, uh, Nick, and they have a thing every summer called Big Nick's Ride. Uh, but here's a guy who's actually doing something. He retired from the police department, went right into politics. And, uh, what you know, I'm sure he'd be the first to admit that he wasn't exactly a politician and wasn't prepared for what he was about to face in Massachusetts politics. But he was elected. And uh, I'm pretty proud to say he's my representative. We're going to try and have him on the show pretty soon here. But he just recently introduced a bill. It's House Bill Number 611. Uh, it's an act relative to the safety and security of schools, and he's trying to mandate uh, pending local af- approval, which I don't know what that means, but mandate that every public school in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has an armed school resource officer present. Um, I think it's a good place to start. Am I enamored with the fact that it's a police officer? No. Uh, I think I do believe that schools should have a school resource officer. They're facing things in schools nowadays that um, I don't think they ever had to deal with years and years ago. But um, the bottom line is it's a good place to start. And at least once people get used to that, then we can at least further the conversation and say, hey, so there's been no mass killings in schools by school resource officers. Now how about we extend this privilege of keeping and bearing arms in the workplace to whoever works there. And I'm not talking about, quote-unquote, arming teachers, as the media likes to say that we all want to push it. I would say that if you want to be armed, you can be, but you don't have to be. Uh, there's no nothing good that comes out of mandatory anything. And so then people go, well, do we really want to have all these people who are uh, armed and untrained carrying guns, that could cause more problems. And I'll admit that it does, uh, untrained people can definitely cause or complicate things and make things worse. However, statistically shows that that's not the case because armed people who aren't formally trained in firearms solve bad problems every year. And I don't think it's the best way to go about it. But it is a way, and I do think that if you decide to carry a gun in the public place or at work or wherever you go at church, then you should seek out competent firearms training. That's kind of the responsible gun ownership side of the equation, and that is imperative in our industry to do that as a self-regulating industry. I don't believe we should wait for government to mandate things. I think we should all say, hey... If you carry a gun out in public space and out beyond the four walls of your house, even if you keep a gun in your house for defensive use, then get trained on how to safely and efficiently use that gun, period. That's the way to do it. And uh, I think that uh, if you don't do it, you're being uh, not negligent, but you're not being as efficient as you could be, Um and you're going to have to improvise, whereas I think training is a much better way. We have this thing called the warrior expert training, uh, warrior expert theory, excuse me, 
which says that through frequent and realistic training, one can use the power of recognition to respond more efficiently during a dynamic critical incident. And I think that's very important because uh, using the power of recognition, you've developed a training curriculum or you've subscribed to a training methodology that when you do it frequently and in as much context as possible, you're building the muscle memory required to respond efficiently. So you you bypass the cognitive processing of that uh, situation and it goes straight to your central nervous system and you know how to respond and react to it. Um, so that I think is huge. Uh, but all that being said, you can read uh, defensive firearms use. I have no idea how trained, quote-unquote, Elijah Dickon was in that mall uh, situation when he shot the bad guy at the mall. Uh, and that took place within 30 seconds of the bad guy coming out of the bathroom. So here's a guy that killed six people in 30 seconds. And uh, Elijah Dickens confronted and killed him. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, it was like eight out of ten shots hit or something like that. It was it was pretty remarkable. But I don't know if he uh, was trained in the safe and efficient use of firearms or if he just, you know, was carrying a gun in the public space. The bottom line is um, anyone who's trained in the safe and efficient use can respond more efficiently. Um, and that's the, that's the part. Of, and more responsibly, I, I would say. Uh, less apt to make a, a catastrophic error. ASD says, why no shootings in the 60s or 70s, etc.? Um, I think we did a better job as a society of self-regulating and dealing with A, the criminal element, and B, the mental health element. Um, right now, we're doing a horrible job with both. Uh, the criminal element is allowed to continue their antics. Um, they get released on bail, they get released on bond, they get released on personal recognizance. They're told, go and sin no more. And while they're out on parole or out on uh, you know, probation, they reoffend. Or in a lot of times, uh, they're you know, pending a huge felonious assault or violent act. Um, and while they're out pending that charge, they recommit and reoffend. Or they get out of jail after a lightened sentence. Look at the guy uh, who killed Officer Gannon in Yarmouth. Um, he was a career criminal who had 33 prior gun charges, and he should have been in jail for 33 years based on Massachusetts law of uh, mandatory minimum, one year in jail per illegal gun. And he had 33 priors, so he got out in three years. So they shaved 30 years off his sentence or 27 years, whatever it is. I might have my actual facts wrong, but it's they shaved at least 27 years off uh, of his sentence or ple- pled it down. And I think he was serving a six-year sentence, and he got out in three and was able to kill Officer Gannon. So until we do something about the most violent element in our society, we really can't say that we'll, we'll see a decrease in violent crime uh, unless... It's handled by the people that they are trying to commit violence against. Uh, So we'll talk about this more on the other side as well. Um, Just to remember, uh, it's back. Cape Gunworks is hosting another AR rifle build class on Saturday, April 29th. This always sells out. We'll guide you through the entire assembly process of your very own AR-15. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the class calendar to sign up today. 
We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And if I can scoot my chair back and not run over the dog, I'll be able to reach this beautiful Benelli shotgun. It's time for the gun of the week on the Rapid Fire Radio network. Um, This is the Benelli M4, and I did a little video about it earlier today. Uh, so this is a pretty cool gun. Uh, the Benelli M4 is used by the Marine Corps, many law enforcement agencies, and uh, it is a you know hard use semi-automatic tactical shotgun that is in very high demand for all the right reasons. <laughs> uh, but it's a super cool gun and rugged and robust. Reliable as all get out. Doesn't like light loads. I will say that. It's best with full power loads. Um, buckshot and slugs shouldn't be a problem with it, but whenever you put light loads in it, it, it can sometimes hiccup because it wasn't intended for light loads. So um, it has ghost ring rear sights. Uh, it has a bead front sight, and it also has Picatinny rail mounted right to the top of the receiver so it's easy to mount a... Uh, red dot sight on it, if you will. Um, this one has a five-shot capacity because of Afghanistan, uh, but it is a super reliable, awesome, uh, hard-use shotgun, and it's very popular. Uh, we, we get them from time to time. It's hard to get. I'm a Benelli dealer, and uh, we get whenever we get them, they don't last long. We also have one in the Marine finish out on the shelf, but this one actually has the pistol grip uh, stock, by Mesa Tactical and uh, super cool um, configuration for a great home defense shotgun. I mean, if you're really looking for a robust hard use shotgun, if you're going to do classes or you're going to take it seriously as a as a defensive shotgun, then you can't go wrong with the Benelli M4. It really is a a workhorse and it's very popular. Uh, I would say it's not our number one seller, but that's because of our limited ability to get them. Uh, they're they're difficult to get 
and uh, we get them whenever we can. And I think we've had like four or five of them come through the shop lately and they don't last long. But I wanted to make it the rapid fire gun of the week because it's just a super cool, classic, um, you know, hard use tactical shotgun for home defense. Uh, Shotguns are an extremely efficient tool. Um, I had a question in one of my classes this morning actually about what if somebody you know is wearing a plate or a plate carrier with with plates on and uh, bulletproof and your AR-15 or your handgun isn't isn't going to be effective well this is the answer to that problem because <laughs> nobody can stand up to a hail of buckshot or slugs there's just no chance uh, you can it, even if it doesn't kill somebody uh, that you cannot physically stand withstand that type of onslaught and every shot with Double lot buckshot is like nine thirty-two caliber shots uh, in one single pull of the trigger. So it's been known as a very efficient tool uh, for defensive use. Uh, shotguns are here to stay. They're, they don't get as much uh, press as they should as a legit self-defense tool. I would say uh, a lot of times they're limited on capacity and a little bit more cumbersome to load. So that might be why. But um, if you think about it, uh, being able to fire nine thirty-two caliber shots with the one pull of a trigger is a devastating, um, you know, power factor, if you will. So uh, they've been known for a hundred years, uh, shotguns as a great defensive tool, and uh, they're here to stay. But this week's gun of the week is the Benelli M4, and if you want it. You can go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down to Gun of the Week, and type in G-O-W as the discount code at checkout. You'll get a special discount on this gun. Also, we have Steel Shoot now on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you haven't checked it out, we have a plate rack and a dueling tree and a hostage target on the range on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and you can shoot steel now at Cape Gunworks. So you want to check that out. It's all done with frangible ammo, which we sell here, and you can have fun shooting steel. Mix it up a little bit and have some fun. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Welcome to Personal Defense Network. For years, we've been the Internet's leading destination for high-quality information on equipment, training, and your preparation for personal or home defense. Our videos are meant for those who are serious about enhancing their ability to use efficient techniques to survive a dynamic critical incident. But now we've stepped things up even higher. We've added hours of high quality training videos just for our premium members. This content takes the body of work that is the Personal Defense Network up to an even higher level. Our goal with the Personal Defense Network is simple. Provide you with the highest quality video learning tips that are available. You'll find them inside of the premium membership. All you have to do is choose how to get started and I'll see you on the inside. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. 508-444-2120 is the phone number if you want to be on the show today. You can take me to task for anything I say. You can also weigh in or comment on the content today uh, if you want to be on the show. Or send us a text, 508-444-2120. And remember that this pod, this is going to move eventually to a podcast only. So 
Get used to listening online, but even better, listen to us live when we go live. So go to rapidfireradio.us and sign up for an email alert because we've tried to be consistent as to when we go live. However, sometimes we throw in some other stuff and change change it up or change it around. So anyway, um, hopefully you'll... Uh, Go over and get signed up whenever we go live, and you'll be able to tune into the live show. And then you can comment and call, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we had a historic uh, victory in North Carolina against discrimination. Uh, the governor's veto has been overturned. So the House and the Senate passed a ending of the um, of the Jim Crow era pistol permit purchase law. It closes this loophole, which under uh, concealed carry has been prohibited in churches that sponsor schools. So imagine that because they're affiliated with a school, you couldn't carry a gun in those churches. So um, that was the situation since 1995. But uh, yesterday, the North Carolina Senate in a party line vote of 30 to 19, giving Republicans the expected uh, 60% supermajority to override Cooper's veto. Uh, they, that's a huge win for the people of North Carolina. So, um, it's really, it's really great, um, that the people can carry a gun now in, in areas that they were restricted before. Uh, and it certainly, um, is a movement that we're seeing happen, um, across the country. We've seen, um, the, the uh, concealed carry, or I'm sorry, constitutional carry, has passed the House in Florida. There's a couple other states that are uh, pushing it forward as well. And so we're really excited to see uh, wins continue. Hold on one sec. Stop it. Arlo's eating a creamer. No. You got a bone, buddy. Sorry, that's that's kind of the hazards of bringing your dog to work. <laughs> But anyway, um, <laughs> be a good boy, Arlo. Uh, <laughs> it's always interesting when there's a dog around, right? Um, but anyway, uh, that's just one of the big things in the news. Idaho legislature uh, also passed a self-defense option expansion bill. And uh, this was a another win here. We'll see what happens if the governor will sign it into law. But the House passed 60 to 10 uh, the Senate bill 1173 after the Senate sent it over last week and this critical bill expands the legally protected options available to citizens engaging in self-defense to include the defensive display of firearms it now goes to Governor Brad Little's desk for his signature so there's some good movement in the right direction uh, we're seeing um, a lot of states starting to take that type of protection the sad thing is that we even need to do it because it, it, it doesn't even make sense if you think about it. Like, why do we need to protect our rights to keep and bear arms in this, on the state level when it's federally protected? Well, that's because there's been such an assault on it um, so, many, so many times uh, in the past that you know, now they want to put it in writing in their state constitution and state uh, law that People have a right to keep and bear arms, which has been affirmed over and over and over again. One of the things that uh, I find interesting also is um, how there was a situation, uh, one of the nation's largest gun dealers uh, in America, down in Georgia, 
um, in Smyrna, Georgia, had 16 out-of-state IOI inspectors, industry operation inspectors, show up at Adventure Outdoors. Uh, They're one of the largest FFLs in the country, and um, they had 16 IOIs show up at their store on Monday. uh, And (laughs) I wish I could get this type of representation up here in Massachusetts, but uh, they made a couple calls, and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene showed up at this uh, location and started to question the ATF agents, so much so that they all retreated to their cars and they called their public relations director, who showed up and started to talk to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And uh, I think there was another state representative there as well, uh, but they basically showed up and said, what are you doing? And I don't know if this was just their annual inspection or what, but the bottom line is they really, they they kind of couldn't answer what they were doing other than saying, oh, this is just a normal thing. But they're like, why are you sending 16 agents to one location and most of the agents are getting shipped in from like California and blue states and from out of state? Like we're not, we don't get this. And so they're, she's on the House Oversight Committee, so which the ATF directly reports to. So uh, I think they ended up leaving and not doing the inspection. And I'm like, man, oh, man, why can't I get some of that type of representation here in Massachusetts? But uh, not that I'm afraid of an ATF inspection. We, it happens all the time. But uh, so they couldn't give a good answer as to why 16 out-of-state inspectors showed up. Uh, at the door. And I find it interesting that the gun store didn't play along and called, called their reps and said, Hey, and, and they responded and showed up. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's, we'll see what happens as a result of that. It's an interesting story that we'll kind of keep an eye on. But, um, anyway, uh, let's get to your questions and comments. Um, there's, a a lot of questions about open carry and whatnot. And one of them from here in Massachusetts uh, is uh, someone asking if you can open carry a magazine. But I don't ever seeing remember seeing any legislation about uh, carrying of a magazine. However, if you're not properly licensed, you can't possess a magazine. But um, in this state. So, uh, and G-Webs has a good point. He says, we teach all kids to swim, not just the kids with pools in their yard. All kids learn to cross a road, even if they don't own a car. Yeah. And they used to do gun safety classes at schools. And I haven't heard of any doing that in a long time. So uh, that's too bad. You know, it would be a great place to do it. Kids go to school to be educated. And you can certainly uh, be educated on firearms too at the school and it would be great if it was actually somebody who knows something about firearms and could educate people um, in a logical way and not just indoctrinate them Uh, so anyway um, Michael also points out that you can open carry a firearm in Massachusetts but it's not recommended and I would agree uh, that you should definitely not open carry uh, in Massachusetts, even though you technically legally can. Um, but that's uh, 
you know, uh, frowned upon. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's going to make it better. I think that's part of responsible gun ownership is, is it making it better for everybody else? Um, if it's not going to make it better for everyone else, then yes, you might have the right to do it, but it comes back to could versus should. And I'm not saying that I don't respect the right to open carry. I do. Um, but if you're just trying to make a political statement at the expense of the right to keep and bear arms movement, I think it's it's short-sighted. Let's put it that way. Um, and Fun With A Gun says, I saw a guy open carrying at the bus stop in Sagamore and people were freaking out. Um, interesting. Uh, I don't recall ever seeing anybody open carry, although I have personally done it. Um, I don't recommend it. Uh, I was a much younger guy when I did it. Um, so anyway, Mike says, whenever I see someone open carrying a gun, I just assume that they are law enforcement or some type. Uh, yeah, that's probably how it is here. I've seen plainclothes police open carrying, and but most of the time they clip their badge to their belt. Um, so anyway... Um, Michael asks, do I think an assault weapons ban might happen again? And this comes back to our uh, poll question of the day, um, which you can go over to twitter.com and type in rapid fire radio and check out the, um, the poll. And it's, I'm going to read the uh, results of it once I can find it. But um, it's, yeah, let's do this. Uh, so do I think we'll see it? I think we'll see a push for it. I don't think it'll actually happen. I hope it doesn't. But um, the poll question today is, what will we see in the wake of the Nashville shooting? Will we see a push for gun control? No change at all to the status quo. Uh, will we see a hardening of schools as a target? Or will we see armed school personnel uh, or professionals at schools? Um, right now, it's 83% say a push for gun control and 16% say no change to the status quo. And a hardening of the schools and armed school personnel are still trending at 0%. So go over to twitter.com, type in Rapid Fire Radio and uh, vote in our poll or go to rapidfireradio.us and uh, you can vote there. But I do think we're going to see a push for it. That's for sure. I just hope that it doesn't actually happen and go through so um but you never know we'll we'll see in this day and age there there's definitely been people who have surprised us uh john corin from texas is a perfect example who uh jumped across the aisle to vote with the democrats on the last gun control legislation that was uh pushed through at the uh, uh you know national level so um 724 says, can you purchase ammo or a firearm with an expired LTC if you have proof that you have applied for a renewal? Yes, you can. Um, so you just got to have that receipt and uh, so to prove it, but you can. Um, I also, let's see. We have plenty of combat veterans that would love a job protecting schools and playing clothes. I agree, Davey. Um, you certainly could, uh, you know, press those guys into service that are coming back that are uh, looking for work. I'd love to see it myself. I think it's going to start as, with a school resource officer, um, but I would love to see it, um, frankly. Anyway, 
It's the end of the first hour, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, the show ends here, but it goes on for another hour. So tune in at rapidfireradio.us or call or text the line, the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. So go to rapidfireradio.us and ask questions and check out some of our online content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. Stay tuned. And we have Larry Correa from Defense of the Second Amendment next. You don't want to miss this conversation. And uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Lear. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level... It can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Coert was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you worked for taken away. Coart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. For quite a long time, duck hunters have been shooting steel, but in the past few years, you've really seen a resurgence of a material called bismuth. And what bismuth is, it's got a density a lot closer to lead than steel, where, where steel's density is right around 7.8 or so, and lead's right around 11 grams per cc. Bismuth comes in about 9.6. So just to kind of lay it out for you, if you've got two objects flying at the same speed, the one that is denser at the same speed is going to hit a lot harder. So a great example is like how we're hunting today. We're out, we're out here on the, we're literally hunting a bay on the ocean. Fantastic spot. 
but the wind's coming in pretty hard. Normally shooting the size ducks like the Eurasian Visions and Teals that we're shooting at today, I would probably choose to shoot like a, a number four steel, but because the wind's higher, I would maybe go to a number two because I'd get more energy and let the, let the steel carry further. Bismuth allows you to go one shot size smaller and still hit the bird just as hard as you would. Now what that allows you to do, we're shooting a number three shot today, so we're getting all the pellets of a number three load but we're getting all the energy of a number two steel shot. So it's gonna hit harder, it's really gonna extend your range, still meets all the lead-free requirements everywhere you are. Just a great product, and you'll definitely notice the power that you hit the birds with. Another thing with the Federal Premium Heavy Bismuth is we're shooting the flight control wad. So you can choke that with any choke you want, whether that's ported or not. Getting incredibly tight patterns. Again, more pellets on the bird, just hits them hard. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your 2A Talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Remember, you can tune in each and every week to rapidfireradio.us and join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line. It's 508-444-2120. Like and subscribe on all the social media that you subscribe to. Uh, We're at Rapid Fire Radio and at Cape Gunworks on all the usual big tech and alternative social media sites. I'm really happy to have joining us live here on the on the camera and on the radio is Larry Correa. He is an author and a Second Amendment advocate. Uh, he's wrote a book called In Defense of the Second Amendment, which I am in the middle of reading. So thank you, Larry, for your time and being gracious enough to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're glad to do it. And uh, I'm in the middle of your book now. I was going to try and read it before I had you on to completion, but that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> good intentions uh, don't uh, sometimes fall short, but um, I've been fascinated with it so far. And at first, I was a little skeptical just because of it is hardline right wing, like, you know, coming from the right, and you make no apologies for that. You even kind of say it like, yep, this is me, and this is how we're going to get to where we're going based on what I believe. Um, but as the book of, has evolved, you've also tempered it and said, look, the Second Amendment's for everybody. And I support your right, whether you believe like me or not. And, uh, you know, you've you've almost made like a... A, a couple of statements about the people that are never going to be convinced, the people that are on the fence and the people that are hardline, you know, supporters of the second amendment. But before we get into all that, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about you and what you do and, you know, some of the books you've written and, and what life looks like for you these days and in the past. Well, sure. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, like I said, by, I'm Larry Korea. I'm uh, best known as a novelist. That's how I got my start in writing as I, I write a bunch of science fiction and fantasy novels. Uh, I'm a New York Times bestseller. But before that, I actually uh, was in the gun business. I uh, was an FFL. I was an SOT. I uh, sold a lot of guns. I was a CCW instructor for about a decade in the state of Utah. Cool. I uh, did a lot of different firearms instruction kind of things. Uh, I was a local advocate for uh, gun rights and got involved with that and testified before the state legislator and that kind of thing. 
so that's my background. I love guns. And uh, this publishing house was looking for someone to do a nonfiction book about the Second Amendment in the wake of the Bruin, uh, or actually the time the Bruin decision was coming up. Uh, and they needed somebody who could write well to, to, the, to the masses uh, and, and kind of tell a good story and spin a good narrative and, and kind of just reach out to people who normally uh, this isn't their thing. And they, they said, so we need someone who's a good writer and also a gun guy. Um, and I am a huge gun guy. <laughs> I am a gun nut. <laughs> Unabashedly. Nice. I love it. And so I was, um, I was happy to do this. And the book has done fantastic. It's uh, been really well received. Uh, but like you said, I, I do come at it from a perspective that I, I am a firm believer in the Second Amendment. Uh, and I, I make no bones about it. But I did try to write the book in a way that it's logical uh, and also emotional, too. Because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times when we lose on this debate, we lose because of emotions. Yeah. Uh, people are tossing out all sorts of emotional arguments. And I, I hit all those head on. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's like we know what works. We know what doesn't work. We can look around the world. We can look at different states. And I just wanted to kind of get in one collection, a, a big compendium of every single argument about guns and gun control and I wanted to refute everything, like yeah. every single thing they throw at us. Uh, I want to have uh, explanation how it really works in there and, and get that out to people. Yeah, and I appreciate that about, you know, I'm sure your readers of your novels even appreciate your being a gun guy because nothing drives me crazy is when I'm reading a book and somebody who obviously has zero gun knowledge is writing about, you know, guns and you're like, oh my gosh, are you <laughs> kidding me? Or you see it on TV or in the movies or whatever. And, and, uh, you're like, you know, the eye roll, but being somebody who's a, you know, solid gun guy yourself and being, you know, you said something in the book that, uh, rang true with me. And that is you almost know every argument that the anti-gun crowd is going to say before they say it right you you you, it's you you're like i know what's coming and i already you know that it's the retread of an argument and i'm on a a local talk radio show on tuesdays for this thing we call 2a tuesday and i i have that same thing the same theme over and over come up and i said look i've been a gun owner for 30 years and this is the same argument I'm dealing with that I dealt with 30 years ago. Like they, they just can't come up with any new argument to, uh, but they, they're very good at tying it to emotion, like you say. And so maybe that's the way to fight that is to tie it to emotion. What, uh, what would you say to this, to somebody, or I know you address it in the book, but you know, you see these news people and the, the crazy news talking head shows that are like, Nobody needs an AR-15 or nobody need. what do you need a high capacity magazine for? And, yeah. you know, so I know we're in an echo chamber here, but for the people that are listening that might not get into this debate, what, what is some of the talking points you could give them or some of the pointers? Well, for even, even the people in the echo chamber, even the people that are already in our bubble, uh, who are in our world, who agree, you know, a lot of times they're not armed with the facts. They're not armed with the good arguments that, that are, they don't have a good way to articulate this. Mm-hmm. So they know what they believe and they know why they believe it, but they don't have it a way they can present it to their loved ones and their friends and their coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm here to try to help. Um, on that argument, I, I do go through in the book a lot, uh, all the various things like high capacity magazine bans, like 
and even high capacity is a misnomer, as we all know. Right. But I get into like it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and I get into the fact that it's impossible to stop. Uh, anybody who wants one is going to have one. I go into the history of the previous assault weapons ban. I go into various state bans. I look at other countries, and I demonstrate. And everything in this is cited. And I've got you know 13 pages of, of small print cites at the back of this book. Everything is documented. It doesn't. It doesn't make a lick of difference. Mm. It doesn't stop crime. Criminals don't care. And all this stuff was before the invention of 3D printing. Uh, before I could make Glock magazines for a buck fifty a pop, mm. you know, it, it's not going to make any difference. Right. On uh, on the so-called you know assault weapons, I, I get into that too. I talk about the previous bans. I talk about the problem of defining it legally. You know, the the, the legal term because they say they want to ban assault weapons. What does that mean? Uh, you know, us as gun people, we we know what it means. Right. And we can talk make and model and every single part on the gun and what it's for. They don't know any of that stuff. They don't mm. care. It's like the old, you know, ban the shoulder thing that goes up. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, they don't know. And it's so, to them, it basically comes down to they want to ban magazine-fed semi-automatic guns. Right. And so I get into it, the fact that if you want to ban that, you're basically trying to ban armed self-defense because that is predominantly everything we use yeah. for self-defense. Um, I got whole chapters in the book where I, I, I compare the pros and cons of, of, of having self-defense, armed self-defense versus the costs. Um, it, it's not even close. And we all know that, but it, I just kind of wanted to give everybody that, that weapon in their toolbox, you know, yeah. to have it all in one place for you. And yeah, it's it a worked. it's a great treatise on, you know, defense. Like, like the title says, Defense of the Second Amendment. It is you know, a must read in my opinion for anyone who's going to wade into the politics or the defending of the second amendment, or if you're like just genuinely curious as to what, maybe you're not a gun person, but you want to see what uh, gun owner culture is like, or, or what people are thinking of who want to own guns. You know, I had um, Bill Whittle on the show a, a few, oh boy, probably about a year ago now. And uh, he he had a really good point, and he boiled it down to: is the elderly lady morally uh, justified to defend herself against three bigger, stronger, younger, violent attackers? Yes or no? And that's really what it can boil down to: is does she have the right to defend herself against them? And if the answer is yes, then what is the best tool to defend your, herself against those three bigger, stronger, younger, violent attackers, right? Because she's probably not going to get the job done with nunchucks and a and a, you know a pair of brass knuckles or something or junior college women's self defense course, you know, <laughs> right? You to beat up a guy that's a hundred pounds heavier than you, right? You know, I get into that because uh, we talk about the emotional argument they always use. I always use, what would somebody think of the children? What about, you know, and it's all emotion. So I throw that back at them. It seems like, okay, what about your mom? What about your grandma? Mm. I mean, I see these people on the internet all the time, all the keyboard warriors, like, well, you need a gun? Uh, that must be because you're terrible at self-defense, you know, <laughs> or that, that picture of that girl with the sign, the real men use their fists. Yeah. You know, okay, I know guys are... Uh, MMA champions, you know, they're, they're, they carry guns right. because they understand physics. Yeah. 
And, you know, no one's going to tell these guys that they're not good at self-defense because they could tie 99.99% of the human population to a pretzel, right. you know. Uh, but they still carry a gun. You can't jujitsu your way out of a mass shooting. Right. You know, and it's just, it's a tool. Yeah. And so if we want grandma to be able to defend herself, we have to allow grandma to carry that gun. Yeah. You bring up a good point too about what they actually want. And there's been a shift in uh, the gun control community where you go back to the seventies. It was like Saturday night specials, right? Like they used to want to ban small subcompact pistols or five shot 38 revolvers, snub nose revolvers. They gave them these names like Saturday night specials and, you know, made them sound real evil. And, uh, and even to this day, more people are killed with handguns than, than all rifles of any kind combined. And yet the shift has gone from, well, you know, we failed at trying to ban handguns. In fact, in this state, Massachusetts, where I live, there was actually a bill to ban all handgun ownership once upon a time in this state. And it failed. So they, they've shifted their narrative, and it's now easier to attach the emotion to the evil weapon. And I think it was Diane Feinstein that coined the phrase evil features, right? Like the military assault, assault rifle and its evil features, the bayonet lug, the collapsible stock, the flash hider, the pistol grip, the detachable magazine and all this stuff. And they're masters at it, right? Tie an emotion oh, yeah. to that. Um, Absolutely. Well, yeah. and I, I go through that because the, the, the hotness now that they want to ban is the AR-15. Right. And so you get all these people who don't comprehend what that means. Um, it's just the most common thing out there. It's mm-hmm. so common. Everybody has one. We all, we all use them. They're super popular for a lot of good, real, good reasons. Um, but when I was a kid, uh, and when I was first coming up and getting involved in gun rights, it was Uzis. They mm-hmm. were scared of the Uzi. They were yeah. scared of the AK-47, the Saturday Night Special, uh, Black Talons. Remember the Black oh, yeah. Talon craze there for a while? You know, it's just... Winchester Ranger doesn't sound nearly as terrifying. I got a box of them right here. Look at that. <laughs> we got the uh, 9mm, 147-grain Black Talons. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I used to carry them back in the day when I was first a gun owner, and I remember when they got willfully pulled off the shelves and kind of renamed as the SXT or whatever the yep. heck they did, you know, and stopped painting them black. And uh, But, yeah, it was... Um, you're 100% right, and they coined the phrase cop killer bullets, right? So, oh, yeah, the cop killer bullet craze was one. I, 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 and I go through kind of the history of this in the book, too, because it's whatever the, the in the mind of the populace, in the mind of the culture, is the buzzword. That's what they want to ban. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, the more they talk about this stuff, the more they push this stuff, the more it gets regular people to buy it. It's kind of like... Um, if you remember back during, I mean, I'm old enough that, that I was coming up during the original Bill Clinton assault weapons ban mm-hmm. when we were all making do with our, you know, our, our really badly put together ARs. They were completely neutered uh, and we were hoarding our handful of magazines because new mags were expensive. Um, and as soon as that ban sunsetted, what did we do? We all went out and bought 10 more. Right. <laughs> Everybody. Every gun guy in America and every person who was on the fence went out and bought an AR and bought 20 magazines. Um, and, and the thing is because nothing makes an American want to do something more than authority figures telling us that we can't. 
Yeah, and you're kind of rubbing salt on the wound here because Massachusetts is still living under that 94 assault weapons ban. They made it permanent oh. in this state, so we're we're dying over here on the vine. But so we're That's still terrible. Yeah, we're still spending three thousand dollars for a eight hundred dollar AR-15 because it's you know pre-ban. It's pre-94 and and uh, pre-ban mags are you know ten dollar magazines or fifteen dollar. USGI mags are 60 bucks, you know, or 50 well, bucks. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some hope for Massachusetts because in the wake of Bruin, I know you guys are one of the states, mm-hmm. one of the seven states that has some sort of assault weapons ban. All of those are under are under attack now in court because Bruin makes it very clear that the way that's set up is not constitutional. Oh, and 100%. I know they're scrambling. Yeah. we Unfortunately, we were one of the states that got all the way to the Supreme Court in not this last session of uh, the Supreme Court, but the one before it, uh, when I think uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still on the court, and uh, we didn't have um, the uh, you know strong majority that we have now. And so they punted and didn't take the 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 case that made it all the way to the Supreme Court for our assault weapons ban. They, they rejected it. And it let the wind out of our sails because the all the local groups that spent the money to get it there were, you know, basically exhausted. The funds were exhausted. And so now they're all on this wait and see instead of rushing right back into it in the light of Bruin, which I was like, here we go. Let's get it done. And everyone's like, actually, we're going to watch California and see what happens there. And then we're going to have some legal precedent, some ammo for the for the legal team to go, you know, have some precedent to, to go with. But I agree with you 100 percent that there's there's hope. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I think it's a little bit further out on the horizon than yeah. uh, than California's or even, you know, some of the uh, maybe Maryland or whatever. But people forget how long the legal battle takes. Yeah. Uh, like recently we had a victory on the bump stocks. Mm. Um but people forget that took four years. Yeah. Um, it was four years from when the ATF declared those to be illegal machine guns to when the Fifth Circuit uh, put some relief on that. Mm. And so this stuff, I mean, it, it takes forever, unfortunately. But that said, I am hopeful for the future on this because we are winning. We're making ground uh, pretty much all over the country. Yeah. And Massachusetts will probably be the last Unfortunately for you guys. (laughs) Unfortunately, yes. I do think um, we have oral arguments are set to be heard on April 4th in our firearms roster case. So very similar to California, which has a gun roster. Uh, We we have the same thing. Um, So our oral arguments are set to be heard on April 4th for that, which would be huge because then it would open the floodgates to, um, you know, what we can buy as far as handguns are concerned, because right now we have a very narrow, limited amount of handguns that we can actually buy. And there's actually two two prongs to that. There's the approved weapons roster, and then there's the attorney general's regulations, which are a set of regulations that um, they're not even law, but they're, you know, they hold the weight of law and uh, make it so that gun dealers can't sell certain guns that aren't on the list and meet the attorney general's criteria. So, Hopefully, we'll see some relief in that area. That would be a great place to start. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It takes years and years and years. I think Bruin took seven years, if not eight, to actually get a, its day in court at the Supreme Court level. 
So yeah, and like federally right now, we have the whole thing with the the for all of us with the brace pistols, mm. um, and the brace ruling, and everybody's got our fingers crossed that there'd be some sort of injunction uh, against it in that 120 days. But we're still, you know, we're not, we haven't had anything yet, and it's still working its way through. Yeah, and they were supposed to have a uh, hearing on this in the in the Congress this week, and they punted because of the Nashville shooting that took place this, yep. this week. Which yeah, the the take from the GOA was that uh, the the Democrats were just going to use it to grandstand, right? For you know, and and so they 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 punted it. The thing is, though, we're on that 120-day clock before the ATF makes millions of us felons, right? And so it'd be really nice if Congress actually did their job and had some courage but yeah you know we'll hold our breath for that yeah and along those lines i heard you know some of the initial uh arguments i think uh matt gates and lauren bobert which are great second amendment supporters uh used the whole um case of west virginia versus the epa that came out from the supreme court about how you know these executive branches of government don't have the ability to write law. And that's exactly what the ATF Absolutely. is doing. And so it's, uh, it, when that came, cause that was the same session as Bruin was mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia versus EPA. And I remember at the time, I'm not a lawyer. I don't, I don't pretend to be a lawyer, right. but I remember very smart people that I know got very, very excited at that uh, yeah. from a gun rights perspective, <laughs> because that's exactly what the ATF is doing. And it's the same thing as the EPA in that case, they're just creating laws out of whole cloth and they can't do that. And yeah. so, and to I make, look forward to them getting smacked. Yeah, me too. And to make matters even better for us is they can't even claim like the Chevron deference. They can't even claim like they've been given broad interpretory uh, powers by the Congress because they've vacillated on things like the pistol brace back and forth so many times. So they've changed their mind three or four times. So therefore, they can't even claim like oh, we're given this broad latitude to to come up with what that actual definition of this means. So they're like, they can point to it and say, hey, if you waffle once, you don't get Chevron deference. So now you're either writing law or you're enforcing existing law. You can't point that you're exi- uh, enforcing existing law because we didn't pass it, you know, from the congressional yep. side. So that means you're inventing it. And how does that stand? Uh, yeah, so. it's there's there's it's it's completely illogical and indefensible, and if you remember, like when they gave us that um, that period where we could they they put out the proposal and then we were allowed to um, respond mm. with uh, all the problems. Yeah, and we did, and then they changed it and then made it law. Right, <laughs> you know, and uh, there was never a review proposal for their new thing that they did. They just did it, so they violated their own rules there, and the whole thing is a mess. It's two hundred ninety pages of gibberish. Right, And it's such a trap. And I actually, it's interesting because I know tons of people with uh, these and I have not seen hardly anybody register yet. I think everybody's kind of holding their breath, waiting to see what happens. Mm. Absolutely. That's been my advice is wait until day 119 before you make any decision or whatever. And at the worst case, take your brace off until it all plays up, plays yeah, out. And it's a government website. So you know, it's going to crash. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> true. tries to use it. hundred percent true. Um, you know, this brings up an interesting point. I'm no lawyer, and I'm not issuing legal advice either. However, <clears throat> at what point in in our you know community do we finally just say, you know what, enough is enough, and we're not going to comply? And this, 
argument, uh, you know, we've been given a clear-cut ruling by the ATF, I mean, by the uh, Supreme Court, and then the ATF was actually uh, given a smackdown by uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals as far as the uh, frames and receivers rules, or, or, yeah, it was the frames and receiver rules. Yeah, the 80% the, rule. The polymer 80 specifically. And then very next day, in defiance to the S- Supreme Court, they start saying, uh, oh, if you do this, if you start selling this, we're coming after you for ghost guns, blah, 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 blah. So they're obviously a rogue agency. And, you know, the braced pistol rule, they think it affects 10 to 20 million. The industry claims it affects 40 million. And I, I tend to believe the industry, they know how many they've sold, right? So... 40 million people overnight becoming felons is crazy. And yeah. they can't say that it's not common. And it's interesting because what did the Supreme Court say? If it's common and useful, mm-hmm. those, are, those are our criteria, right? Well, apparently if there's 40 million of them, it's pretty darn common and it's pretty darn useful. Right. In fact, that's orders of magnitude over the standard that they had uh, previously for common was for stun guns. There was a law about that. Right. Um, it's really interesting too because like, in the ATF's paper, it's talking about how th- they think there was only like three million of these sold. Yeah, there's individual. You get a, you go to you go behind the scenes at Shot Show, and there's individual companies that have made more than three million. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not like there's one place that makes these. Oh no, there's there's tons of different companies that are making them, and and not to mention one company in particular that's supplying a large portion of the uh, the market share, and. Uh, but even at SHOT Show this year, I couldn't believe how many guns I saw with them, like, integrally made to the gun itself. And I'm like, what are you guys planning on doing? And they're like, eh, we're not changing our th- a thing. We're going to keep producing. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, we're here with Larry Correa uh, on Rapid Fire. It's a 2 way talk radio show that you can call in or text if you have a question for Larry. Maybe you've read his book or you have a question about... Uh, the Second Amendment, be an advocate, you can give us a call at 508-444-2120. You can also type into the text, and I, I can ask it on your behalf. But we're going to go to a quick break, and uh, on the other side, we're going to continue this fascinating conversation with Larry. Uh, so stay tuned, and don't go away. We'll be right back. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. 
Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. We're here with Larry Correa. He is a author and Second Amendment advocate, all-around good gun guy. And uh, we're having a great conversation around the Second Amendment. Uh, if you want to ask Larry a question, you can give us a call at 508-444-2120 or type right into the chat and we will get it asked. Um, so, Larry, as we sit here during the very week of yet another awful tragedy tragedy in a school of all places um you know as second amendment supporters what can we do to you know as we're staring down the barrel so to speak of this new onslaught of gun control that's going to be uh sent to congress in whatever state you live in you know endless news media debates that's going to make it uh, you know, sound like this is more common and ordinary than defensive gun use, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you know, what do you what do you have to say about the the tragedy that happens continually in these uh, schools and in gun free zones and in places of worship or whatever? And you know, what would you say as a as an advocate um, and and a defender of the Second Amendment? Uh, this is something that I go into for a couple chapters in the book in a lot of detail. I'm sorry, I have a cold. <laughs> no problem. Now, first off, we can't cede any moral high ground to these people whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All right, so right off the gate, they're going to try to make it about the gun. They're going to try to make it about the tool. And what is their solution? Ban guns from more places. Ban more people from having guns. Make it harder for people to defend themselves. Mm. The thing is, we know, and I and I demonstrate this, and everybody knows this, what stops a uh, mass killer is a violent response, mm. period. And that re- violent response can either be quick or it can be slow. That's the only question. Uh, and we saw in this situation, it was three minutes from the cops arriving to them putting the, the bad guy down. Great. Could have been faster if there had been somebody already there. Mm-hmm. And I go through dozens of shootings in the book, and we demonstrate that if there is somebody there armed when it starts to interrupt the bad guy, Fewer people get hurt. Mm. That's it. If you have to wait for the cops to arrive, it gives the bad guy more time to hunt people, more people get hurt. So right off the bat, they don't have the moral high ground because their solution actually makes it easier for the bad people. They actually make it easier for the evil people to hurt more good people. So enough of that nonsense right there. Don't don't give an inch on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, schools specifically is something I talk a lot about in schools. And this case was a perfect example in that the police said in the manifesto, the bad guy looked at attacking a different place and decided not to. Why? Because it had too much security. Mm. We've seen this over and over and over and over again. Uh, we've had other, other shooters like last year in New York. We had one in his manifesto said, I want to do this and this, but I can't because there's somebody there who's probably going to shoot me. I have to go someplace else. They always do this. These people are not, they're evil, but they're not stupid. So right off the bat, if you want to make it so schools are not a preferred target, get rid of the gun-free zone. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, I, I taught CCW in Utah. That's my home state. 
we have allowed concealed carry in schools for almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. So in Utah, if you are a teacher or a school employee and you want to carry a gun and you got a valid concealed weapons permit, then you are allowed to do so. Mm-hmm. So we have armed teachers. Uh, when I, and when I say out there, I throw this out on the internet, I said, I said, let teachers be armed. People freak out. Right. They're like that. I'm mandating it, that I'm forcing teachers to carry guns. No, no, it's not. It's not mandatory. It's completely voluntary. And I guarantee in every single school in America, there's at least one or two or three people who are willing to do this and who are willing to get trained and who are willing to do what they need to do to, to be able to defend themselves and their kids. I guarantee there are. And uh, when I was a CCW instructor, I taught anyone who was an employee of a Utah school, I taught them for free. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had principals, I had janitors, I had teachers, I had um, bus drivers. It didn't matter. Uh, I, taught, I taught them. And I taught hundreds of people like this. I had one incident where I had a school principal and a couple teachers and a guy who I believe was a janitor. Uh, they all came in together because the week before – they had an incident where somebody had done something bad. A gun was introduced. No shots were fired, but the school had a resource officer. It had a cop assigned to it. Only when the bad stuff went down, the cop wasn't there. He was just AWOL. He was off doing something else. So it, it fell to a couple unarmed teachers to handle the situation, and they did, and no one got hurt, which is good. But the principal, he freaked out because he looked at that. And he said, oh, my gosh, we were on our own. Mm. This could have went sideways. A whole bunch of people could have got killed on my watch. And so what he did at that point is he went around to his teachers and he said, okay, who wants to do this? Who is willing to do this? Who, who do I think would be willing to step up? And he gathered them and they came and they got taught. Mm. And in fact, the, uh, the, the young guy, the janitor, was a recently returned Iraq war vet who had a pretty dang good resume and quite a bit of training. Mm. Why wouldn't I want that guy armed at my kid's school? Right. I mean, he's gotten more firearms experience than the cops that are responding, odds are. And the thing is, we can do this now. Some states have it. Some states don't. Um, I think Utah, we were the first. And all the stuff that they predict about armed teachers causing chaos and shooting students, it doesn't happen. Right. We haven't had it happen here. But like Texas, uh, they had the shooting in Uvalde which was one of the worst screw-ups in the history of American law enforcement. It was an embarrassment. Yes. And they just sat there doing nothing while kids got hurt. In Texas, you can carry a gun in school, but it's up to the local school district. Mm-hmm. And so it's on, a, on, it's on a school district and superintendent basis. They have to have like a special program. So it's basically may issue CCW, uh, whereas we, we see California, Massachusetts, where the state says who can and can't, and then all it takes is somebody to get, oh, I don't like guns, right. and you get a situation where no one's armed. I've got a friend uh, who's a substitute teacher in Texas, and he's a former Green Beret yeah. uh, and a, a firearms instructor on the side. Why wouldn't I want this guy in my kid's school? I mean, he's got tons of experience. Right. And these are guys it, it, that are these are guys that run towards gunfire, you know, they're trained to do that, and they're, they have proven they do that, unlike, unlike some of the law enforcement that you, you pointed out. And I'm not casting aspersions against law enforcement. they got a tough job. they got a lot going on. But you signed up for the job. Do your job, right? But the guys in Tennessee were an example of how you're supposed to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever been involved in any sort of training, stuff like that, uh, they, 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 did, they did about as good as they could. Yeah. Um, they, they got there. 
They armed up. They got briefed on the situation by somebody who had their crap together, thank goodness, mm-hmm. and they went right in. Yep. They went right in looking for trouble. I was I was pretty impressed. Like, you know, they could have made every excuse in the world. They could have said, we got to wait for the ballistic shields. We got to wait for better armor. I got to wait for helmets. I got to wait for, you know, whatever. That's what the excuses have been in the past, right? Uh, but they didn't do that. Uh, the two body cam videos really told the story well. Guy got out, popped the trunk, got his gun, threw it on his sling, you know, racked it round into it, and went into the building. And they were searching and got some. Then they heard the shooting upstairs, so they all ran upstairs. And uh, interestingly enough, you heard them communicating as they walked and went. And uh, they wanted the rifle out front. And then as they got closer, they wanted the guy with the low-power variable optic out front. They said, LPVO. Uh, and they called the guy up, and he was he had a very well-set-up rifle. You could tell the guy was trained. You could tell he was – it wasn't his first time behind the gun. You know, I watched him as he brought the rifle up, click off the safety, fire shots on target, put the gun back down, safety, engage, finger off the trigger – and then the other guy with the pistol go right in. And, you know, like you said, they did the best they could with what they had to work with. I thought they did a phenomenal job, professional. And uh, unfortunately, like you said, though, that could, what was it? I think 14 minutes total response time. But you said from show up to ending the school shooter's life was three minutes. Um, but, you know, six people died. And yep. how how could it have saved lives? I think it could have. Um, I, I, I go through that in the book. I go through the stats, and it's hard to nail down stats on this because they're not kept in a uniform way. Mm. But as near as we can approximate, in a situation where there is an armed citizen at the location when the shooting begins, the average number of people hurt is like two or, or killed is like two, two to three. Uh, the average number of people killed when it's the police responding is like 12. Mm. So... I mean, it just comes down to a fact of how long does it take? And, now, and for the citizen who's there, um, you're super motivated because you have no choice. Right. Okay, you make do with what you have. And the thing is, we, we could end this stuff much, much faster when it does happen. And I, I show in other countries that have really strict gun control, super, super strict gun control that America would never tolerate. Sure. I mean, Americans would straight up revolt. And I get into this. Um, if we were given this level of gun control, they still have mass killings. Yeah. They still have mass shootings. They still have bombings. They have people driving cars down the sidewalk. Mm. Uh the news media always likes to act like this is a uniquely American phenomena. It is not. It is not even close. There, there, there is nothing about this that is unique or special to us. We're a country of a third of a billion people. Right. Um, if you actually, and I get into the stats a lot. I mean, I'm a, I'm a former finance guy. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like this stuff. And um, it's fascinating to me, though, how they portray it. Uh, it's always a gun problem. It's never like a socioeconomic problem or a psychological problem it's always the low-hanging fruit of we're going to go after guns mm. um immediately i watched the video of the shooter what did the shooter have the shooter had a keltec uh yeah. a keltec folding carbine yes yeah, so uh, the little nine millimeter yeah and what do they say we need a ban ar-15s right <sighs> it wasn't even the same thing right you know but they don't want to ever get it it's not it's nothing to do with logic it's just a predetermined narrative they have ready to go to strike when the emotions are hot and, and instead of doing something that's actually useful, 
as it's stopping these people faster, they want to do the band-aid that gives them more political power. Mm. You know, you bring up a good point, and this is something I've been exploring emotionally. I, I don't know if I'm fully resigned myself to believe this, but it certainly seems like it, that the people that push the gun ban agenda, they actually know what they're doing and know that it's not going to happen, A, and B, what could actually make a difference they never advocate for. So that leads me to believe that they there's something much more nefarious taking place, and that is uh, they want body counts. They want to be able to stand on the dead bodies and pound the podium and say, we, uh, we need gun control because this. Even though they never do it after someone drives a car through a crowd, they don't sit there and say, we need to ban cars. It's the same exact situation. Evil person, mass killing, but they're not blaming the tool. Yep. And so if, that, if they can rationally look at an automobile and say, that's a good tool that we can use to get to work every day. And yeah, I actually have a greater chance of dying in a car accident than I do by the end of a gun, but I still want the guns gone. So that tells me that their disingenuousness means they don't want to fix the problem. They just want to have the talking point in perpetuity until they get their way. Well, perfect example, and, I, and I, I talk about this in the book because I really truly believe that you can divide gun control people into two categories. Um, those who are well-intentioned and well-meaning, but they just don't know any better. They get taken advantage of by the second group, and the second group is what I refer to as the vultures. Mm. The vultures want a higher body count. They want to dance in the blood. They know the stuff they're advocating for doesn't work. They're control freaks on a power trip, and they make a living off this stuff. Mm. Um, perfect example the Eli Dickens shooting in Indiana. Right. If you remember that, it was a young man at the mall. Bad guy came in, started shooting. Good guy drew his gun from 43 yards away, engaged him with a Glock at 43 yards, hit him a couple times, approached, hit him a few more times, put the guy down. Fantastic shooting. Once again, like I talk about the stats, we had, like, I think it was three people shot. And if we'd waited for the cops, it probably would have been 12. But this kid's a hero. So what happened in the immediate aftermath and within days, and I, I document all these in the book, the anti-gun vulture people freaked out about the good guy with a gun. Right. Because they always like to say that a good guy with a gun is a myth. Even though we have thousands of examples of a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy, mm. uh, just regular armed citizens, literally thousands of documented examples, they still say it's a myth. And so this hurt them. This hurt their story. This hurt their narrative. So what do they do? They got mad at the hero. We had people like Shannon Watts from Moms Demand Action out there saying, well, he was carrying a gun at the mall. Isn't he just as bad as the killer? Mm. No, Shannon, clearly he is not. And anybody with a functioning brain can tell that. Right. And they were trying to say, well, he broke the law because the mall said no guns allowed. Not according to Indiana law. He was perfectly within his rights and he was obeying the law. According to the law as it's written in the state of Indiana. But they do this stuff. They were, they were, you could see them. You could see how upset they were that this kid, this hero, came along and upset their apple cart. He upset their grift, their scam. He, he hurt their narrative, mm. and they freaked out about it. And so they were trying to portray the hero as the bad guy. Uh, like the shooting this week, what are they trying to do? They're trying to portray the bad guy as the victim. Right. They don't care 
if you die. In fact, the more of us who die, the better it is for them. Uh, they profit off our deaths. Mm. And it's all projection. And what do they you always you hear them? What, what do they always say about the gun lobby and gun rights people? All the stuff they're saying about us, about how bloodthirsty we are, it's just projection. Right. Uh, they can't help but reveal who they really are. And so I think you're absolutely spot on. I think you're, you're, you're right. They really do want us to die. And if there really was a gun problem in America, the world would know it because there's 100 million gun owners with 400 million guns, right? It's uh, maybe more. I don't even know. But uh, there would be a serious daily <laughs> death count, you know, body count total, an update. But the truth of the matter is that the responsible gun owner is less likely to commit crime than even law enforcement officers statistically. Yep, and absolutely, and that was what our founders, uh, you know, recognized in acknowledging the right to keep and bear arms, was that it is de- it's designed for a moral and just and even religious society, people that have a moral compass, and you know are kind to their neighbor and they go the extra mile and they're willing to help out you know their community and they're they're good people at heart and they're family people they raise their kids to be hard workers and productive members of society that's why they didn't have to fear the second amendment is because that's who this was was created for it, it, they're acknowledging that's you know the only way our society works and when you start to see the unhinging and the wheels come off the bus in certain elements of society that, then you know people want to blame the blame the item that's been perfectly legal to own for 200 years and hasn't been an issue. Uh, so something's changed, and it isn't the gun. In fact, the gun access is more restrictive now than it ever has been. And you, as a you know former FFL, know how restrictive it is to actually go through the process of selling a gun or buying a gun or becoming an FFL is one of the most regulated industries in the in the country, and. Nothing's changed other than it's become more restrictive. And, you know, they've they've painted us as ticking time bombs waiting to happen, which nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, uh, you know, I've, I've made the argument. Uh, we actually had a guest last week. It was a girl named Oren Julie from uh, Israel. And she's a big advocate, a firearms advocate in Israel. And she was saying that, in her country, there's only 100,000 people who can legally carry a gun, and they're given one pistol and 50 rounds of ammunition, and or they're allowed to keep one pistol and 50 rounds of ammunition. And half of the terrorist attacks in her country are thwarted, almost half, nearly half, high 40 percentile, are thwarted by legally armed people. <clears throat> and and they still have a hard time selling the fact that more people more people being armed makes us a safer society. You'd think with a statistic like that that almost nearly half of all terrorist activity in their country is thwarted by a person who can legally and responsibly carry a firearm that everyone would be signing up for it and demanding it. And she says, no, it happens right after a killing everybody or right after a defensive use of the firearm. They, they kind of rally around it, and then they all get, <coughs> get complacent again and say, oh, uh, why do you need a gun? You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Yep. But the media does a good job, and this is something that I think uh, is really important to point out that the media narrative has been like, 
like a hammer on an anvil for 30 years. They beat the drum very consistently. And uh, I think you brought it up in your book about the article by John Lott, um, where the five largest newspapers in America cumulatively had like 10 articles about a defensive firearms use, but had like 1,700 articles about, you know, negative outcomes with a firearm involving murder. And then if you factor in like wounded people, then it's like 2,700 articles, those same five newspapers. So they don't want people to know that protecting themselves with a firearm is a good tool for the job, right? It's just that's, Absolutely. that's, the, that's the, media, the, whole the media is directly complicit in this stuff. Um, they have a narrative they're trying to sell. So they make it, like, like, like I said, we have well-intentioned, well-meaning people who actually do out, they believe good guy with a gun is a myth mm. because the news never shows it to them. The media never shows it to them. It's just squashed. Um, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples that never make the news, but every negative example does. Right. Everything that's useful to them gets lots of coverage. Everything that's not useful to them gets memory hold rapidly. Uh, that's one reason they hated the Dickens shooting so much is because it went viral. Yeah. They couldn't stop it. It went viral before they could, they could shush it. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like, and I talk about in the book, if there's a, a mass killing, which once again, mass killing, I go into the stats on this, they're extremely rare in a right. country as big and populated as we are. They're actually very anomalous. Right. But they don't act like that. And they lie and they say, well, there's 300 a year. No, there's like 10, there's like 7 to 10, right. you know, usually in a given year. The, the 300 is you guys just making crap up and like taking any you know, domestic violence or gang related drug deal gone sideways and calling it a mass shooting to perpetuate your, your gun control agenda. Mm. The media lies just relentlessly. They hide the truth whenever it's inconvenient. They bang a drum whenever they can. And it's, it's good. If the identity of, and it's a, it's a running joke. Now it's even, I talk about this in the very first chapter of the book. It's so sad that, as gun people, we see this stuff happen, and we don't even have time to process or mourn or feel bad. We have to immediately be defensive because we know if that shooter is anybody that could be tangentially tied uh, to, to anything that's politically convenient, they're going to flog it for months. Right. And if the identity is something that's not convenient for them, they're going to memory hold the identity of the shooter, and they're going to just instead talk about you know gun control and whatever. And the really sad part is, and, I, and I, 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 I talk about this, and I go there, and I, I'm, a lot of people give me trouble for this, but I believe the media is directly complicit in causing this type of crime. Mm. In that, you notice we always have a rash of them. Like, there'll be one, and then there'll be like two or three more in short order, just boom, boom, boom. Why is that? It's because the media builds them up so much. So if you've got a disaffected loser, scumbag, who's going to try to go out in a blaze of glory and make a big statement, the media aids them. It gives them exactly what they want. It makes them famous. It puts them on the cover of every magazine. They know they're going to be viral on social media. They're going to be, you know, the president of the United States will stop what he's doing and hold a press conference to talk about you. Right. So all of a sudden you go from disaffected nobody to most important person in the world for a couple of weeks. Right. And the media, in fact, will even tell you how to do it. The media will say, if you go to this kind of location where you can get a higher body count, we'll cover you more. If you use this type of gun, we'll cover you more. Right. We'll put you on the cover of Rolling Stone. Mm. And these people, they see this, and that's why there's always clusters. And they're like, oh, wow, there's a killing. I get to go out. I can do that, too. And so you got somebody who is thinking about it. It pushes them over the edge. 
Yeah. And what and the media will reward them. Yeah, we had this conversation in the chat on the show yesterday that uh, that radio show that I was on, and uh, you know it should be treated by news organizations like a suicide. Uh, you know, they don't mention the name, they don't mention suicide on the evening news anymore because they know it's going to spur more people to do it. And the same thing should happen here. I, I would love it if they would not release the name, they would not release, uh, you know, the immediate story behind why, and they would only place a picture of the disfigured corpse remaining after they're dealt with by authorities or by people who are armed and say, this is what happens to anyone who decides to, you know, shoot, yep. shoot up innocent children. This is the end result. Yeah. Show them laying there pathetic. Right. Yeah. I made it through this entire book without ever once naming one of these people. Yeah. Uh, I talked about, I talked about them in context to the victims and I talked about them in context to the locations and the times and the details but never once did I want to give any of these scumbags credit, mm. any portion of credit. And the thing is, we know that they do this because they have said so themselves. They've written it in their manifestos. They've uh, they've straight up recorded themselves on video doing this stuff right. because they know how it works. They're not stupid. Yeah. And 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 I think honestly, I think our media is directly complicit. And I think we have the vulture contingent of our politicians and media. Uh, they cause this stuff. And they cause it, and then they blame us so they can take rights away from regular Americans and gain more power. I agree 100%. I also think politicians are complicit by creating gun-free zones and what I like to call the kill zone loophole. Um, that's really what it is. It's a kill zone loophole. And uh, they're, they're also complicit in their soft-on-crime approach and everything else, uh, you know, to, to dealing with violent criminals. I get it that this person could pass a background check so they don't fit the typical narrative however you go to some areas and there's this you know soft on crime revolving door uh you know look at chicago look at these type of inner cities that have you know people released on their own personal recognizance and while they're out pending trial they commit another violent act uh, you know while they're <laughs> being brought up on charges for something else some other violent act and we treat it with kid gloves and those people i think the blood is right at their feet they they let let it happen and they they want the body counts i'm convinced of it larry so if people want to find your book they want to follow your work they want to you know look you up online where can they go what should they do how can they follow your your work on social media or, you know, as far as publishers are concerned or if they want to buy your book, which, by the way, we're giving one away as this week's giveaway. So make sure you go. There it is in defense of the yeah, Second Amendment. Make sure you go. Yeah, I like the cover. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. And uh, make sure you go to uh, rapidfireradio.us and you can sign up to win that book, but also get it. And how can people find you online What and follow what you do? Sure. The book's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and uh, bookstores everywhere. Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter. I'm just uh, under Larry Korea. I believe my handle is Korea45. Or my blog is monsterhunternation.com. Uh, uh, or I'm on Facebook under just my name, Larry Korea. I'm pretty active on social media. Uh, as long as you're not offended by you know strong language or opinions, <laughs> we should be okay. Facts. If you're not offended by facts, don't go there, right? <laughs> I mean, go there if you're not offended by facts. Um, cool. So you did some competitive shooting as well, right? Yeah. And, uh, I used to a lot. Back before I was a novelist, I used to 
Uh, I got into three gun back at the dawn of three gun, but I used to shoot USPSA and IDPA a lot, and uh, I love three gun. I was a shotgun nut. Um, I did the Simtac Consulting Shotgun class two weeks ago. In Very Oklahoma. cool. What's your favorite gun on the way out the door here? Oh my gosh. Probably my Remington 870 I've had since I was 12 years old. Nice. Very cool. For nostalgia. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I wish you well in your book sales, and I'm a fan. I'll be following your work in the future. Maybe we can do this again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So remember, the show ends here, but you can always tune in online at rapidfireradio.us, or you can call or text the Rapid Fire line and leave a message when we're not here. It's 508-444-2120, and keep up the good fight, support your local community, be an advocate for responsible gun ownership, and together as Americans, we can overcome. I'm Toby, God bless, and stick around for a special edition of Toby Takes on the World. You want to see me lose again. (laughs) And we'll be back next week. Thanks so much. news.